Miracle Road. This is Jess Peeler with you. No Matt today. A little sad about that. We have a fun episode for you. We're doing an interview with Erica Ola. Don't forget to follow us on all of our social media platforms. Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, True Social, found at The Radical Road. Twitter, at The Radical Road 1. Visit our website, ontheradicalroad.com, and email us your questions or comments to Matt and Jess at ontheradicalroad.com. I decided to stay back um, off the road and get some things done here at home. You know, those doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, those fun things that we have to do. Uh, Matt is actually, he took a tractor to Washington, the state of Washington, and I've spoke to him and uh, he tells me he misses his truck butler. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's what I am. I mean, I'm his snuggler, his truck butler. He has several names for me, but like a friend says, I add value to him. So, and he agrees. He agrees very much so, but he's very missed. But today, how are you, Erica? Ah, uh, so good. Thank Thanks you. for having me, Jess. Yeah, thank you for being on today. Always a joy to be eyeball to eyeball with you. So to give you a little background on Erica and how we met, it was like this instant friendship right away. There was this like really easy, relaxed, beautiful connection um, to me, that was very divine. It was very God that we just easily hit it off the way we did. It was when um, Matt and I moved back to um, Iowa from Utah, and we were introduced by another friend, another faithful friend, and that friend had said, you have to meet Erica, Jess, and Jess... Uh, Erica, Erica, you, have, you to, have to meet yeah, Jess. Erica, you have to meet Jess. And so, and she was correct. She was right. And, you know, it was, for me, it was a blessing because I hear I'd left Utah and left all these really amazing girlfriends that were faith-filled behind. And that was very sad for me. And then I um, go into a coffee shop and meet Erica. And I'm like, I can just see the Holy Spirit just just illuminating off of her, like coming out of her eyes and just illuminating off her. She just shines so bright for Jesus. And I just was instantly in full gratitude for, for you, Erica. Mm, right back at you. <laughs> shout out to Janine. Right. Shout, shout out, out to Janine King. Yes, absolutely. Making those connections, allowing God to work through her. Yes. Yeah. Being a conduit in that moment. Mm -hmm. So my favorite part of that day, Janine actually had to leave. Yes. And you and I had a free calendar and we maximized that free time. We did. It was, I mean, it was hard to leave. Yes. Leave yes. the conversation because there was just so much wisdom, so much truth, so many points of relatability right. that we had with each other. It was um, definitely a gift. Yeah. And I think in that moment, I'm not sure what you would say, but I, I think... You know, for, for me, leaving Iowa and moving to another culture in Utah and then for living there for almost four years and coming back, um, we really discussed the differences in the culture as far as faith. And I felt like because I had lived in Iowa before, I could uh, relate to some, some of where you're at too and your faith walk mm -hmm. here in Iowa. It's just a... a, a difference. There's a big difference, but tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what you do as far as a career and just a little bit about yourself in general. Yeah, absolutely. So probably the most important hat that I wear is that of a mom. So I am owning this reality that I am a full-time single mom to a beautiful boy. His name is Dawson Dean and he is almost eight. He'll be eight in November. So he is by far my greatest joy. And um, I just love being his mom. So that takes up a great portion of my days and weeks and months and years. And I would not have it any other way. And then on top of that, I would say in short, 
I am a developer of people. And I think more importantly would be to answer why I do what I do. Uh, To take you back in my early 20s, I was in the medical device world. And um, so obviously a lot of that was sales-based. And I was in a culture or an environment where it was kind of molding, right? There was a molding of we want to mold you in a way that we want you to be. And um, often that looked like a way that they had experienced success and it just wasn't my way. And so what we'll probably talk a little bit about today um, and what I experienced then was, you know, not like physical pain, but a little bit of emotional pain, right? Like I, who I am and what I bring, the value I add to the operating room is not enough in their eyes, right? And I took an assessment with the company. Everybody in in our um, division took this assessment. And um, really my passion today was birthed from that moment of here's who you are based on this assessment, but we actually want you to be this other person. And so I don't know, by God's grace, I let all of that go. I would say I have pretty tough skin. I grew up with two older brothers who were pretty rough and tough on me <laughs> and and just some of my other um, jobs leading up to medical sales positioned me to kind of let things roll off my shoulder and to stay true to who I knew I was and stay confident in the value I knew I added. And that's hard for um, people to stay true to who they are, right? You're going through this process and you're figuring out, okay, this isn't for me. These are my needs. This is who I am. I need to stay true to that. Most people don't. They stay stuck. Right. Well, and I think also I was young in my career. And so you don't necessarily have that security in retaining the position you're in. Correct. Right. Because you haven't, so to speak, proven yourself long enough yet. And so, you know, the, the further I got into it, the more secure I got in I am irreplaceable, right? But in the younger journey of that, you feel a little more replaceable. So anyway, because of that, now I, one of the tools I use in coaching and developing and from the stage when I'm speaking is I truly, to the depth of my being, believe that God planted seeds of greatness within every single one of his children. And so many go uncultivated. Yeah. And you know, for those of you, when she was, um, speaking about, um, feeling replaceable, you know, if any of you out there in our audience have that going through your head, like, Oh, I'm replaceable. I'm replaceable. That's of the enemy. That's a voice that's on repeat. And that is not of God because honestly, he wants you to rise and he wants you to succeed in wherever you're at, whatever job you're in. So if you're getting that on repeat, that's, that's not of God. So, yeah. Amen. Where yeah. were you when I was 25, <laughs> 24? You have value. You know, I think when we have an identity in Christ, um, we are his sons and daughters. We have value. Yeah. We add value to people and their companies. Yeah. And I think the key with that too, and what I love to pull out of the people that I'm working with is it's a unique value. Yes. Right. Because in the world we live in today and with social media and all of those things, we look at what someone to the left of us is doing or someone to the right of us is doing. We're constantly comparing ourselves to who we think is doing it right or who said they've been successful doing it. And so either we do it their way and we fall short because we're not quite like them, right? Or we think we can never do it. And so we have to understand our value is not like anyone else's. There might be some similarities, but if we could live in a world where we're more passionate about standing out than fitting in, right? That's what we reach. Like I'm the rare gem, right? Like God made us each uniquely. They may be this way, but God created me to be exactly who I am and to see value in yourself because God created you just how he wanted you. And you are that rare gem. And I think man, woman, whoever you are, we, we add value because we are uniquely um, created in him. 
Mm-hmm. So there's no reason to compare when you, when you look at yourself that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And if we're in the word, we read that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, and then you also, um, you specialize in strength finders, correct? I do. That's a tool. Yeah. Okay. Coach yeah. Strengths is the tool. And the reason I use that tool is because it helps people look within, right? But it's also developmental. So um, it's not like you're this or that. So to me, there's a lot of assessments out there that say you are this. And so that gives us a reason to not develop in my mind. Correct. Right? Instead of, okay, here's here's some things, some characteristics. Here's what you need. Here's what you bring to the table. But here's what it looks like when you're showing up at your worst. Right. And it could be you know, because you're hot. It could be because you're hungry. It could be because you're stressed out or overwhelmed about something, right? So it's not like an arrival. It could be had a great day yesterday. Today I'm having a bad day. So now I'm showing up in my basement, right? So it just gives people that checkpoint of how am I showing up every single day? And how am I shifting from thinking about what I need all the time or what I think is right to what's right for us? what's right for the team. So we go from me to we. And so it just helps us shift or change our thinking. It does. But one statistic I want to share with you with this and why I'm so passionate about using it is um, Gallup has shown that the likelihood that two people have the exact same talent DNA sequence as someone else is one in 290 undecillion. That's 36 zeros behind the 290. Right. Wow. So we wonder why we have so many varying perspectives in the workplace or in relationship. Wherever two or more are gathered, there's conflict. <laughs> <laughs> when what I loved about because uh, I've done Strength Finder. So when we lived in Utah, we belonged to this uh faith filled business mastermind called Pathfinders. And we actually did the exercise in that course. And there was probably um, 13 of us in that course. And um, you're right. It, it really, when we all got back our results, because they give you your top five and then, you know, then you'd learn about your top 10. And so when, I, when we each got our top five back, all of us were like, no, that's not us. No, that's not me that's not me. I'm like, did I take this test wrong? But then when someone like you came in and that's, you know, very experienced with strength finders, they actually went through it with us and explained where your strengths are, where your weaknesses are. Like for me, my number one is futuristic. And I'm clearly always thinking 30 steps ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm always You're thinking, the visionary. I'm the visionary. Like I, I've always been an entrepreneur. And so I start getting creative and thinking ahead of how can I, what can I do to set my business apart? Um, how can I expand my business? Right? So those are very futuristic ways of thinking, but it can also be to a detriment too. And how can it be to a detriment? Because you spend all your time thinking 30 years ahead, right? Or Instead where we could in go. Instead of living <laughs> in the present. I have futuristic top five, so I know very well. Yes. You're energized and inspired by thoughts or visions of the future, right? And so you want to bring that to the table, but also know when to be content with where you're at. Exactly. And that has been um, a hard thing for me throughout my life is just to be content right, right where I'm at. Now that I know this, it's gotten better for me. So the thing that's ironic is your 34 is adaptability, which would be pretty opposite, not not just the futuristic, but futuristics looking into the future. Like I said, they're energized and inspired by thoughts and visions. And the cool thing about that is you can bring that to someone who doesn't have that hire, who might only see where they can perform today, but they don't see their potential Right. Or where they can go or what they can do or what they can build and create. Right. So they're inspired by your ability to see 30 yards down the field. Right. Example would be, I know, I look at, you know, other people's situations and I'm like, okay, well, this would help here. This would help there. I can see, you know, so these systems would help you in this situation. Like, that's easy for me to look into that. And that's your input too. 
Oh yeah. Number two for me was input. Because they're very resourceful. So people who have input plus you have learner top five. So you love learning. I do. And <laughs> so you want to be intentional or you have been, right? Like with what you're studying or what you're learning, you're not like going and learning about trees, you right. know, something that maybe isn't going to intentionally produce fruit for you in right. the journey you're on right now. And so we can get sideways as learners, right? If we're just going down rabbit holes of learning about things that really aren't going to add value to our life or the life of someone else. Right. So, but pair those together. You're like, give me all the articles on. Mm -hmm. So like right now with the radical road, we're doing ministry on the road. So I'm digging into the Bible deeper than I've ever dug in, like getting into the blueprint Bible, like just really digging in. And then um, energized. You're probably energized then when you can deliver yes. something that's going to help someone else Absolutely. in resource form. So that would be input. Yeah. Input in like raw form would be you're just downloading all this information, but you're never uploading it to someone. Wow. Right? The, the mature side of it is I'm intentional in what my study is right now. When I'm collecting the tools, the articles, the information, the knowledge, the wisdom, and I'm going to Deliver it intentionally to the audience. That's good. Yeah. So, and then I have responsibility as number three. So I take that you're very seriously. Yes. If you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. And I've been like that since I was a kid. So the challenge with people who have high responsibility is the people around you know you're the go-to person to get things done. And so you're asked to do everything. And if you don't have boundaries, I had to establish no a long yeah. time ago. Because <laughs> people with high responsibilities in raw state are the yes man, the yes woman. Yep, I got it. Yep, I'll do it. And people continue to come to you because they know you're going to do it. They can count on you. If they ask you to do it, it's done. They don't have to come back and, hey, Jess, where are we at on this? Right. We made some progress here. Yeah. We're pushing the deadline. Like they just know you got it. Yeah, that's. That's a good description mm -hmm. of me. Here's the challenge what? with people who have high responsibility is other people's lack of execution or bothers lack me. Of it does. You, you hit it. Bothers you. you. It. <laughs> so people with high responsibility hate to disappoint other people. Uh -huh. Like you would never do that. I wouldn't. Unless you've stacked too many things and now you've unable to execute in something. Then but there's guilt. Thank but goodness I have grace. <laughs> right, right. I give people grace. Like I've learned not to expect people to be like me. Right. So like, I just give people grace in that. Oh man. If Jesus wasn't <laughs> in you, Jess, <laughs> you'd be the bulldog. <laughs> I have been the build, bulldog before in my life. You yeah. Know? So your natural yeah. way of thinking is if, if I said, I'm going to get this to you by tomorrow at noon and it is 1201. And it has not happened. Disappointed. Yeah. Immediately disappointed. Right. So. Yeah. I had to work on that through the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. So there's there's um, positives to all of these, but then there's vulnerabilities, right? Mm -hmm. So your standards of excellence, so to speak, might be higher mm -hmm. than someone else who's around you. So right. you have to come to so terms with that. I don't have pride on me, so I can admit to you clearly that was me one day. I was the yes. bulldog, so yes. <laughs> I can own it. But so then I also have number four is focus. Yeah. So people with strong focus, um, it, it's like in the zone. If you're researching something or working on something, right? If you're in it, you're in it. And so the other con component of focus is you're going to execute your day based on your priorities. Yes. So if, if you have a willy-nilly non-priority day, you're probably feeling at odds with yourself, right? But the way for you to execute is, okay, here are my top three priorities today. And then you execute those single-mindedly, right? So you're in the zone to get something done. Yeah. So good. You know, I would highly recommend, you know, we did it with our, like I said, our faith-based business mastermind course through our church and, um, in Salt Lake city, Utah, Awaken church. 
it was incredible and it helped um, our group really understand each other on a new level and a different level. And I would recommend this to uh, any organization, corporation, any business that has any sort of team, a church that has a team that you're really trying to come together and be better together. Um, I would highly recommend doing the Strength Finder and bringing Erica in and just really explaining this to the group because that's what they did for us. They picked certain ones of us out and they explained it. And it just, it's, it's really an interesting and intriguing exercise to do. You just learn so much about not yourself only, but each other. Yeah. Anybody in a leadership position, I believe should understand all 34. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you understand needs and the contributions of the people you lead. So important. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It helps you love people. It does. Yeah. And you realize they're not all wired like you. Right. But you can call them up too, right? Like call them up from the basement into the balcony or they're able to self-coach and pull themselves up when they might be slipping. (laughs) So yeah, we're all gifted and I truly believe that. And so um, I don't really feel like I'm working when I'm working (laughs) because it's just a joy. It's a joy to help people love themselves more and love the people around them more. Right. Well, you're being utilized. Like God's totally using you um, through your career in Strength Finder. Really? So it's, it's fun, right? It's a joy. Yes. Yeah. It is. It took me a while to get here, but I have arrived. (laughs) So, um, let's talk a little bit more about as we built our relationship and our friendship. Um, you know, it was not very many times that we had met, but we felt like we knew each other very well. We also, you also got to know Matt a little bit, but we, we ended up sharing with you what we're um, good at and what we're gifted at through the, through the Lord. And that's freedom and deliverance. And, um, for our audience out there that doesn't understand or know freedom deliverance, it's just a gifting, uh, through the Holy spirit, through God. And, you know, we have gifts. They're all in first Corinthians 12. God gives us each different gifts and, we're, it's available to any of us that want to take a hold of it and pray healings. It's a, it's a healing is what it is. Um, and what it, to break it down is, is we're filled with the Holy Spirit, but there's also that other realm, the evil realm, right? So there's different spirits that oftentimes we can open up doors through our life, depending on things that choices we've made through our life, we open up doors to the evil spirits. And so we need to close those doors. I'm going to use an example that doesn't relate to Erica. Um, so there's a spirit of perversion. So if there's men out there that get attached to pornography, that's a spirit of perversion. Okay. Or women that um, are prostitutes, they sleep with men out of wedlock. That's a spirit of perversion. So um, it could, you know, stick to someone until they recognize that it's affected their life in a negative way. And it might be on a person for a long time before they even recognize or realize that it's caused maybe um, depression on them. Or there's different characteristics that you'll start recognizing through your daily walk in life that you feel oppressed, depressed, anxious, and it could be from certain spirits that you've opened doors to. Matt and I have uh, been very blessed in being able to pray uh, and deliver people from the spirits that are on them, the evil spirits, demonic spirits that can be attached to them. Just because you have opened up these doors doesn't mean that you don't have the Holy Spirit on you. doesn't mean you're not faith-filled. You could be a Christian that has stuff that maybe is on you from generations before you, your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, four generations back, um, and you might not realize it. Um, And when I say that, there could be uh, powers, principalities, word curses, assignments from the enemy 
that have been placed on you or your family without you realizing it until it's prayed off of you. So what we do is we pray for people. We pray healings over people um, and it changes their life because we've had it done to us. We, I've, had, I've had freedom and deliverance. Um, and it was from certain things that choices, poor choices I've made in my past that I had to close those doors. I made choices. I made decisions that affected me and it could affect my daughter if I wouldn't close those doors. And so I had to get freedom and deliverance and pray off certain things that were affecting my life, my marriage, my career, my business. Once I went through um, the healing of that, it's just, you feel lighter. You feel like um, a new, you're a new person. You took off that old cloak, like it says in the Bible, and you put on the new cloak, like you're walking into a new season. And um, we had an opportunity actually with Erica, with Freedom and Deliverance. Do you want to share how you felt, Erica? First, before I dive into that, I think it would be important for me to share that it was kind of scary to admit the fact that there's demonic spirits in me. So I feel like that's important for me to say because I think other people could relate to that. Because don't you think the word demonic? Yeah. I mean, seems intense, I, right? I think immediately I think of like the possessed eyes that you see. Yeah. You think of the worst and you're like, right. I, I mean, it immediately goes to like horror this, movies and. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I remember you talking about it the first time we met at coffee and I appreciated up to that point, just your vulnerability with decisions you had made, which your audience has been able to listen, uh, listen yes. to in prior episodes. Um, but just, you know, challenging seasons that you had faced and walked through, I just could connect with you then. And, um, and so when you started talking about that, it made sense to me. And I had attended a conference in 2016 that my spiritual mentor and coach had invited me to attend in Omaha, Nebraska at LifeGate Church in Omaha called Restoration Conference. And so through that, I knew that there were these root spirits, right? Demonic right. spirits um, that could be holding people hostage yes. or in bondage, in bondage. Yeah. In bondage. And, um, and so there was an awareness of that, but, um, there was still work to be done. Yes. Right. And so yeah. meeting you, hearing your story, being able to connect to you, relate to it. Uh, I was just like ready. Right. I was ready. Um, I could accept the fact because you had shared that you had some, right. right? And right. so, um, because you had shared and I'm staring at you, yeah. right? And inspired by you that, so okay, good. you know, let's do this. Let's, let's get right. rid of these. Right. And actually, I don't think I told you and Matt this, but um, in, in the process of doing the freedom and deliverance, when Matt had his hand on my back and could feel where it was, that was, it was on my back. And that is where I actually physically felt pain when I was bouncing Dawson Wow, on that same side. And so I don't know if there's correlation with that, but it was wow, kind of incredible for me to think about. Right. Right. Like just well, the, the fear. And I think, you know, we forget often in our human nature that there is an evil realm. We have yeah. Holy Spirit. We have God. We have this beautiful goodness in that spirit. And then we have this other spirit. It's not as powerful as God, right? It's not as like the enemy is not as powerful as God, but there is another realm at work, which is why we have Ephesians 6. The scripture in Ephesians 6 says we have to put on our armor, right? Put on your full armor. We have to fight spiritual warfare. So what that is, is you're fighting against the spiritual warfare that's coming at you or has been at you. And oftentimes people make the mistake of blaming God for everything. And it's not God. You, you often wonder in your flesh, like, well, I can't believe God would allow this to happen or God's doing this or, and it's actually the whole time it's the enemy fighting 
inside of you, right? Fighting against you. And we, we are so easy to blame God when it's not God. And, you know, casting the demonic off of people or doing freedom deliverance is biblical. If you're going to a church that's not exercising freedom and deliverance and not there and not walking through the Holy Spirit, it's in the word. It's the living, breathing word that we should be reading. We should be digging into. It's, um, it's right in scripture. And I will actually, um, read off some of the scripture. It's very biblical. It's not stuff that's made up. This is stuff that happened back when Jesus roamed the earth. And, um, it's the same, it's the same today. Mm -hmm. The the Bible doesn't change. So in Luke 8, 2, it says, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. Matthew 10, 1, Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits, which are actually also known as demonic or evil spirits, to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Luke eleven eighteen. If Satan also is divided against him, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And there's just, I mean, it can go on and on and on. If you read the gospels, there is so many um, scriptures throughout that speak of um, freedom and deliverance. And it's really important to know in Luke 11, 24 through 25, it says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it travels through the desert looking for a dry place to rest. But when it doesn't find a place, it says, I will go back to the home I left. So 25, it says, when it gets there and finds the place clean and fixed up, it goes off and finds seven other evil spirits, even worse than itself. They all come and make their home there and that person ends up in worse shape than before. So what this scripture is actually explaining is that when we do freedom and deliverance, <clears throat> we remove the, the the spirits, the unclean spirits from the person, but we then fill them back up with fruits and giftings and things of um, the Lord, things of the Holy Spirit. And um, because you don't want that to return. You don't want that spirit to return and then seven times worse and bring its buddies, right? So you don't want that person to be in worse shape than before. So this is not something that we take lightly, you know, and it's all in scripture. And when Jesus died and he rose again, he left us the power and authority. So he wants us to operate um, in and through him. He wants us to be able to have that same power, that same authority to heal people of what they're dealing with. And so, yeah, Erica, let's talk about your experience a little bit if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. It was powerful. Very powerful. Very powerful. Very freeing. Really words can't convey the power of it. Do you feel like there was a shift in your life with that experience? Yeah. I mean, I think just the whole process of, you know, you starting us off with the forgiveness portion of it. Right. And, um, I believe in forgiveness and have felt the peace of forgiving people. Um, but when you talk about taking something to a whole new level, that's exactly what I experienced with you in, in the, the feeling of it and the visual of it. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it just was emotional. It was emotional, right. but also, um, I remember saying to you, I, I feel like I need to help them. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it was you or Matt who was like, maybe it's not your job to help them. Right. And so it was just, this like freeing feeling of letting go. Right. Right. Letting go. It's not your burden, your weight to carry. Yeah. And I don't have to feel guilty about that. Right. Because there's someone else mm-hmm. who yep. will take care the of the big that. guy up above. Yeah. And That's so why. it's, I'm not God. 
I'm not Jesus. So humble yourself, Erica. You're not. And you can't save everyone. And that's why Jesus did die on the cross so that we don't have to wear that weight, wear that weight of feeling like we need to fix people or, or save people per se. But we want to be the vessel. We want to be the vessel. We want to plant seeds. We want to spread light. We want to be their encouragers. We want to reflect our father, right? We want to reflect his heart. We want to love on people. I mean, that's the most important commandment is to love, right? Like we want to love people. Yeah. With boundaries. You don't always have to agree, right? Loving doesn't mean you have to always agree with lifestyles or decisions they make, Um, And that's where I think in the world today, we get that mixed up, right? What is the definition of love, right? So, but yeah, I I felt like um, just being the outsider and really um, you having such an open heart and receiving and wanting the freedom from what you were living with, right? The heaviness, the the burdens that you were wearing. And you you knew, you'd prayed about it. God revealed um, what, what you were dealing with. You knew. Um, and so you were ready and we prayed for you and it was powerful, so powerful. And, but to see the difference between when we first started and then when we finished, and how light you were and just the smile on your face. And you were just at peace. Like you could just feel the peace on you, see the peace on you. It was just like. Yeah. And I felt like I was pretty at peace internally, but we don't know what we don't know. Right. And actually early on in my um, faith journey and life journey, I adopted a new thing. And it's in reverse of this thing. You don't know what you had until it's gone. And so I rephrase that to say, I didn't know what I was missing until I had it. Yeah, that's good. And I think there's just a lot of people, right? And so I think of how I felt prior to freedom and deliverance compared to, I didn't know it at the time, but after I experienced freedom and deliverance and felt the freedom I realized in some ways it, I was living in a cage. Yeah. Right. And so it's like the cage door had been opened, like fully opened and I could own my story. I mean, I think that's a big piece of it though, is owning our story, right? Saying like, I'm so broken right now. You know, I have, I have these flaws. I'm so broken. There's so many beautiful beautiful things about me, right? There's value to me. Like we were talking earlier that God gives us each value and he makes us so beautiful, but yet we are in the flesh. So we do have this brokenness. We do have, we are flawed. We're not perfect, but it takes a bigger person to say, Hey, I'm flawed. I'm broken. I need help. And, and then when you can be that bigger person and you say that, that's when the growth happens. Right. Absolutely. That's when the leaders are built. Right. Right. That's when they're created is when you are broken down, but yet you've learned from that, you grow from that and you're shaped from that. Um, it's the people that live in the spirit of pride. That's another unclean spirit, spirit of pride when we can't own it. Like I know everything. Right. Um, no one's going to help me. I'm above that. I'm, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that. I know. I know. You know, that's a very big comfort zone too. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we know no growth happens there. Right. Right. And so the enemy will keep us comfortable. Right. Because we don't need, we don't have a need. He wants to keep us stuck in comfort. Yeah. He wants Mm -hmm. to keep us right there. Mm -hmm. And so I think as people living out our faith, it's also important to constantly which you and Matt are doing this year. Yes. And you're doing on the daily. (laughs) Constantly challenging our comfort zone. Yeah. And stepping out, right? Craig Rochelle says you can either have growth or comfort, but you cannot have both. And so he actually just recently posted about learning how to fly an airplane and how many times he wanted to give up. Right. Right. Because it's uncomfortable. It's hard. Right. right? We live in this easy button world today. And so if something doesn't come easy... Right. If it's hard, if it requires much of us, right, we bounce. 
So, you know, and it's interesting, Matt and I have conversations about it's, it's not even comfortable for um, people to often pray for other people, right? Uh, in church, let alone outside of church, it's, it can be uncomfortable for people to step up and pray over people. Right. And pray out loud. Pray out loud. That That's, was me 10, five, six years ago. Yeah. That can be uncomfortable. That can be awkward. And there's pain in that. But when you actually step out and you do it and you pray in power, you pray in authority and you, and you um, put yourself out there in that awkwardness and then you have the faithfulness behind it. It's not just prayer, but then it's the faithfulness that follows it. And then you see the people change. It's the reward, right? And that's the growth. Like, okay, now I can do this. I can, I can pray out loud. I can pray for people. Like when you see the rewards of what it does and your faith coming together in agreement, like it's so rewarding. Right. And I think so, on a, on a, um, more rookie scale for praying. I think it's so important for people who are, you know, just learning how to pray Yes, or just praying, starting to pray out loud for other people to not expect, expect all the words to be perfect. Exactly. Right. I think yes. that was for me, you know, I would hear my spiritual mentor pray so eloquently Right. And I love and, this point. And she had, I mean, it was just moving. It moved you and, um, you know, just nailed it every single time in my mind. Right. And so there's also for me just learning how to do it. I was like, I could never be her. <laughs> but in actuality, there's scripture that says God knows our heart before we he even does. pray. Right. So it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, he doesn't expect that. There's no expectations when it comes to having a relationship with God in prayer. Like he knows our hearts before we even speak. Right. He knows our desires. Yeah. He knows our yeah. desires. Right. So, and so we just have to start somewhere. Start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And, and some might feel a little, you know, more uh, equipped than others. But if we don't give up, if we don't quit, we keep doing it. Right. And expect fruits and victory at the end. We will experience that and experience what you were just sharing. Yes. So, yeah. but just like anything, you know, you have to put the reps in. Right. And so let's um, talk about how, uh, why don't you explain to our audience some ways that um, you carry your faith, your faith walk, your relationship with the Lord through just everyday life. Yeah. Well, that's first, hard for people. It's very difficult. People want to put God in a box. You know, they want to put, okay, so God belongs to church. Right? I go to church to access. I go to church to get God. God, you know, you stay here on Sunday. Um, now I'm going to go to work. Um, okay, God, I'll get you out on Wednesday night. Maybe I go back to church Wednesday night, you know. Um, or, you know, I'm going to go to this sporting event. Or I'm going to go hang out at this bar with someone. Or I'm going to go, you know, wherever it is that people go, the golf course, um, the gym, People want to put God in a box and keep him right there. But, um, you know, it's really important that we surrender all areas of our life. And he's a part of every day and every piece of our life. We incorporate him. Um, how do you do that, Erica? I mean, for me, two of the most powerful ways of first being fueled by him is through song, right? Through music. And, um, I have many playlists that, that close me out for the day that start me up for the day, you know, that will trickle into the day if I'm not listening to a podcast or something like that. Um, and so music is a big Very piece good. of connection with him and, um, and nature. Yeah. Nature for me. Right. And, um, honestly, I didn't recognize the nature piece until 2016 too. <laughs> which is coming out of darkness okay. season for me, um, like literally, right? And coming out of a, a time actually where I was cooped up physically in a house for an extended period of time with a baby, not Dawson, but uh, one of my nephews and just was going crazy. And right after that experienced a nature retreat and just felt alive. And so I knew that my connection with God was fueled highly by being 
out in in his beauty, his beauty, his creation, his creation. Yeah. <laughs> in solitude. Yeah. Yeah. How do you um, manage to carry faith into your career? Like, how is he a part of that? Yeah. And so I'll say, I mean, he's a part of my life as a mom, right? He's a part of my life as a leader. And so career-wise, again, through experience, and oftentimes it's through pain for me where I grew closer to him because I relied on him, right? You and, find yourself praying through the day sometimes? Oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, praying and, you know, I mean, there's devotionals and the word and all of that, but but really he wants to be in prayer. And I don't know if you agree with me, but I I think in um, a corporate setting or a work setting of any type, any, any industry, like we can say things to people during a day that don't have to be Christianese. Like break off that Christianese. Like we don't need to talk like we're a walking Bible, right? To, to impact people through our faith, right? And sometimes it's not even our words, it's our actions. It could be a wave. It could be a smile. It's how we be. Right. Right. It's how we show how up. How we carry ourselves. Right. Yeah. And, and and again, I think it's people want that peace that they see when you're living it out. Yes. Right. And so exactly. if if we don't let the happenings of the day, right, rattle us, right? Because we've connected. Right. We know like who we are, whose we are, right? That we're we're expecting obstacles for one. Right. I think exactly. oftentimes we wake up and we just expect the day to go easy. <laughs> and so when we face, you know, our light isn't turning the power on because we had a derecho, you know, or um somebody sometimes cuts us God's off. Waiting to see how you're gonna handle those situations. Like, are you going to turn to me? Right. Or are you going to instantly turn to your flesh or to Satan and, and start cussing and swearing and be angry or whatever, right? So are you, gonna, are you going to rely on me in that moment? So, yeah. And so, you know, career-wise, it's – and honestly, for me now, um, being in leadership for a significant amount of time, I don't know how – I would be where I am without taking God as what I would call my business partner. I love it. Because yeah. leadership can be lonely. Um, as a leader, there's always going to be people who aren't happy with a decision you make or something you do. And oftentimes we have a target on our back. And yeah. actually the book Leadership Pain that we have talked about um, talks about, um, you know, leaders and the pain that comes with leadership, but just challenging roles that people face and it's high level leadership, you know? What, what's the author's name of Leadership Pain? Um, Dr. Samuel Chan. Okay. Put, yeah, we'll put that in our notes. Yeah, such a great book. And um, one that I discovered later on in my leadership journey, but, um, you know, my spiritual mentor and coach really helped me, I would say, calmly navigate seasons where there were storms happening, yeah. right? And um, I think when we as leaders and just human beings can come face to face with the reality that on earth there will be trial. Absolutely. Right? There will be trials. There will be <laughs> obstacles. There will be yeah. much pain. Right. Right? Yeah. And to lean into the pain. Yes. Yes. When and take the lessons. Most people in their natural, they want to back off. Uh, we want right? to run away. But you want to lean in. Yes. And like we've we've talked about before, when we lean into that pain and recognize that it's going to require us to change something. Exactly. Right. And yeah. we might not like that change. And it's also going to come with loss. And I've experienced loss personally, professionally from a relational standpoint, right. Which to me impacts me the most. Some people have experienced loss, you know, financially, right. Or in other ways, um, physically maybe, um, that can contribute to pain, right? But change, 
loss. And when we lean into that and um, don't run away from it, right? But ask God, like, what do I need to learn here? You know, what part of this is me? Yeah. What are you doing in me? Like, what lesson have I not learned? Right. Right. And I truly believe. He truly answers us. He does. Yeah. He does reveal. Um, he reveals those answers in us um, in different ways too. Mm-hmm. He might speak to you or you might actually get a sign from him, like with like visionary sign, um, a visible sign. Um, there's different ways that he will actually answer you in that. But it's because you come to that humbling point of your life, that vulnerable point of your life where you're like, I need you, God. Like, Can't do this alone. Sh- yeah, please show me. Yeah. Right? He will. And I think also in leadership, you know, we carry burdens in life, right? Whether it's parent or spouse or friend or leader, we carry burdens. And sometimes we carry other other people's burdens. And so just to have that source to release those two. Absolutely. You know, and just yeah. trust as we stay the course, right? And stay in alignment with him. Yes. Right? We know we're doing what we're meant to do. Right. Right? That... He then is grooming us. Right. Right. And he'll reveal to us, you know, if we don't fly off the handle. Right. Right. And get defensive or retaliate. Right. Or make them feel the way we made or they made us feel, which is so easy for us to do. Right. That there will be fruit at the end of that. There's so much fruit. It's just so rewarding. And, you know, it becomes fun to follow him. Right. When you get to that point, it just becomes fun. Right. Yeah. And I think we just slow down a little bit. Right. And so I think you and I probably both um, in our lives have been um, guilty, so to speak, of just acting quick on something. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And there's power in that sometimes, but there's also power in the deliberation. Right. And so I don't know if you read this book. I'm not sure if we've talked about this one, but um, The Best Yes by Lisa Turkhurst. No, we have not. And so um, that was a beautiful book to go through too. It talks a lot about, um, you know, just the imperfect world that we live in. And so again, like, are we expecting perfection from everybody and everything around us? Because we're going to set ourselves up for disappointment if we are. But she, um, again, back to like, how do you take God into your life every single day? And oftentimes it's in the decisions that you make, right? And it's slowing down enough to... um, not be the yes woman mm-hmm. or the yes man before you really like process, do I have the capacity for this right. physically, financially, emotionally, or spiritually? It's also, um, would you agree? It's also walking through life and not uh, being in the bondage of uh, shame for who you are in Christ, right? Uh, being confident in your relationship with Jesus Christ and saying, you know, this is who I am. I'm a daughter of the Lord and being confident in that and walking that out. Because honestly, I have gotten to that point in my life where I'm like, Hey, you like it or you leave it. Cause that's who I am. I'm first and foremost, God's daughter. Like, and I'm proud of it. Right. Like proud to be his daughter. And I will walk that out in fullness. And I, and I love that. Um, but there's been seasons for you yep. and for me yes, where we haven't. Exactly. And I was getting, yeah, and I was getting to that. It, you know, we, we actually, you know, it took me a while to get to that point where I could feel comfortable in that. But what I've recognized through um, being at a point in my life where I wasn't comfortable with letting everyone know who I was in Christ, right? I owned businesses and I always thought, oh, this could be really sticky, right? If I um, come out to everyone in the public and um, that I'm a follower of Christ and I run my business like that, um, maybe people would choose not to support my business. Um, but and that will happen. And it does happen, <laughs> but it would be a, you'd be surprised at how many people you'll also gain. Yeah, right. Right. And I think, but we don't focus on that. It's no, you focus on the fear. You you focus on the fear of the losing. Who do we lose? Who you're losing instead of focusing on who you're going to gain because you're standing in who you are in the fullness of God, right? And so that's that's what I've realized. Now I'm to this point where. I am who I am in Christ and I'm going to shout at the rooftops, right? And 
I've, yes, maybe probably lost some people in my life, but I've gained a whole lot more and people that I want to be surrounded by. Yeah. Very key. I think that's a big thing. And actually I've had a lot of people ask me that when we talk about, um, circles of influence and one of the exercises that I have people walk through is make a list of the top 10 people you spend the most time with and put a positive symbol next to their name. If they add energy to your life, Mm. right. Add value, add energy. When you leave a conversation with them, like you do, Jess, I'm with you. Same. Right. It's just like, Oh, I feel so good. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it a negative? Right. Yeah. Right. Is it draining? Draining. Weigh you down. Weighing you down. Yeah. Like you, you don't feel enough. Right. Right. Like you can or never get processing. It right. What did I say? Did I say, you know, did, what did they say? Like, and you shouldn't have to walk away from anyone feeling that way. It's probably unhealthy if you're feeling that way. Right. And so then yeah. what do you do when you have people who are the negatives? Right. And I think immediately people think I'm going to have to call you up, talk to you on the phone. Say, Jess, I just did this exercise with this coach and it revealed to me that you drain me when I'm around you. (laughs) That's what people think. And it's not the case at all, right? It's just having heightened awareness. We're building our EQ to know who are the pluses. So we want to spend more of our time with those people and who are the, the negatives. So we can set some boundaries, Right. And maybe yeah. we, maybe we can't avoid them because they're under the same workplace roof right. as we are, but we can, we can set some boundaries there. Setting boundaries and, um, you know, also, and boundaries are very biblical as well, but also praying for those people, right? Like leaving that conversation saying, that was heavy, but I'm going to pray for that person. Right. They need prayer and recognizing where they need prayer. And then, Loving those people so much that you maybe at some point do have that uncomfortable conversation or like, hey, listen, like I recognized this or I I really love my relationship with you. Um, and having grace for people and saying that uncomfortable but honest conversation of, you know, this is how I felt with you. And, you know, let's talk about this. You know, is there more to this? Can I pray for you? I mean, getting deeper with people, I think often we want to write people off, right? Instead of praying for them, like pray before you go into conversation. You always pray and prep, right? Just loving them enough to get deeper with them and understanding the why. Why do they make me feel heavy? There's a reason that's deeper. Right. And I think also recognizing, is it a season, right? Or is it a pattern, Right. Right. Yes. Cause with some people, it's just a season mm-hmm. and, right. I, I and they was need that, you. I was that person at one point that weighed others down when I went through my divorce. Like it was a season, an ugly season that I was living through and going through. And man, I don't even know if I would want to been around me, but you know, so we do go through seasons. Yes. You're right. Absolutely. Erica. My friend, my good friend and colleague partner, Jordan Montgomery says it this way, honest conflict is better than dishonest harmony, right? And so Very powerful. Super powerful, right? right. Um, for the people who have high harmony, right? Who, who don't want to ruffle feathers, you know, just want to go with the flow, don't want to call anybody out or up, right? And when we think about calling them out, it might feel a little different than calling them up, right? Like, I know you're better than this. Like, what's going on? Tell and me, calling tell them me out what's bothering you. form of love. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Confronting. Confronting. The challenging it's saying, things. I love you so much. Yes. I'm not leaving you like this. Right. Love that. I know that there's better for you. I know that you're more than that. And this is not who you're called to be. I love so it. good. It's been so fun chatting with you today and touching on some of these topics that oftentimes no one wants to talk about. Right. But it's so real. It's so real. And it awakens you. These topics that we've talked about today, they can awaken people. And um, it's just truth. Everything that we've talked about is truth. It's uh, biblical and just makes you more powerful. It makes you a better leader. I'm just so grateful that God put you in my life as a good friend now. Yes, right back at you. You make me feel powerful. You make me feel bold. 
You make me feel courageous. And so I appreciate that. About and that's you. what we should do. We as, should. We need more we, of that. As females, as friends, as, as males that are friends, we should be doing that for each other. We should be lifting each other up and making each other feel that way. Right. That's what we're called to do for each other. So, well, and that's testament to your security that oh. you have in who you are, whose you are. Right. And what you're right. destined to do. So good. Yes, girl. Yes. Yes. And amen. <laughs> yes. And amen. Okay. Well, um, until next time, next week, we will have Matt back and, um, I hope you all enjoyed the episode today and we look forward to Matt and I look forward to, uh, hopefully even running into some of you on the road. We would love that. So if you see our truck, Crimson Creed with the radical road on the side, please stop us in our tracks and say hello. Otherwise follow us on all of our social media and, um, reach out to us. If you have any feedback or you have any prayer requests, go to Matt and Jess at on the radical road.com. All right. Till next time. Mm. Adios. Adios.